All right, Kelly, kick it off. Yeah, so this is Kelly, and I'm here today with Kelsey and Camille, and we are going to talk about something that, again, is near and dear to our heart and foundational in um, a fitness journey, and that is going to come back to nutrition, food, right? Um, And so thinking about food, it's abundant everywhere, right? We need it to live we we eat food there's so much that surrounds food we eat food in celebrations we eat food in grief we eat food for comfort um and it's so easy to go overboard um obviously that's that's the number one thing that most people have problems with is food and so um a couple things that I want people, I'm just going to put this out here for as food for thought, as Kelsey and Camille start talking about food and nutrition, um, is, um, I read a book called deep nutrition and it's written by a medical doctor and she's also got a background in biochemistry and genetics. So it's a fascinating book. It's very, it's difficult to chunk through. Um, I I think we're kind of the three of us are kind of nerds on books, but it's got a lot of, it's a lot of technical kind of heavy stuff, but there are a couple really simple things that came out of that book that I want to share. So first of all, like I think about like my, my parents' generation is um, they grew up really, really farm to table. And back in the time where um, like all of the pesticides and everything weren't as prevalent as they are today. And so um, think about that generation. They ate what I would call like real food, like the stuff on the outside of the the grocery store that you'd walk around. Um, My generation, I grew up starting to eat that, right? And then enter the microwave, right? And then I ha- we had TV dinners. I literally remember, like, it was, a, this is awesome. We get to, like, cook this little tray in the oven, and then I get to sit in the living room with my tray and eat this food that was not great, but it was amazing, right? And um, so that was, like, really fun. And then we had microwave food. Your generation, so Camille and Kelsey, mm-hmm. right? If you think about your generation, you are fast food generation, like processed food generation, right? And so you've seen the progression of that over time. And in this book, which I find fascinating, she says that um, although we've made so much in medical advancements, because simply of the food and how nutritionally void it has become, your generation will have a lower life expectancy than even my generation, which is like mind blowing to me. And another fundamental takeaway is we think we're just eating food. It's really an environmental impact and it's the world's way of getting what's going on in this world inside your body, which ultimately can reprogram your DNA. Like that is crazy. And like what you eat now affects your future generations not just your future not just your kids but your future generations because it all travels down right um so i i kind of wanted to use that to to plant the seed on how just at a fundamental foundational level i mean get forget i mean we'll we'll get into um like for using food for fitness and weight loss but just how important food is and um another statistic that came out of this book which i found fascinating is that your brain is just 2% of your body weight, but it burns 20% of your calories. 
So if you're putting crap in your body, your brain is consuming like 20% of that to function. And we all want to function at a high level, right? Um, and so thinking too about um, also what, um, you know, I was talking to Kelsey a little bit earlier about, I like analogies, right? So I think about one of my favorite cars. I had a 1984 Honda Accord, right? And if I, if I had that car today and it broke down, I literally cannot go to a 2020 Honda Accord and take that engine and take it out of there and put it into my car. And my analogy for that is just that food has changed so much, right? Akin to what I've already talked about. Food has uh, progressed over time. You know, an 84 Honda Accord engine, way simpler than a 2020 Honda Accord engine, right? We become more complex in foods, lots of options, lots of, um, Camille, I know you'll want to touch on this, good and bad options, mm -hmm. right? Like labeling foods. Um, so I wanted to uh, put that out there. And then also just kind of a, a level set to remember, why do we even need food, right? Like mm -hmm. we need food fundamentally for energy. And so um, that energy to, you know, just walk, get up in the morning, brush your teeth, lift weights, everything. Every, obviously, we need food as fuel. Um, and there are um, energy systems in the body that use fuel. Um, and so maybe we'll talk about that in a future podcast. I don't know if we want to nerd out on that. Mm -hmm. But uh, with all of that, um, hopefully it sets the stage of, of kind of getting people tuned into why nutrition is so important. And um, we'll probably spend a little bit of time on that. So uh, first of all, I think we want to talk about, do you want to talk about macros? Or do you want to talk about food and, you know, just how foods break down from calories and a macro perspective, or where, where do you two want to go? Where do you want to start? I could go in a million different tangents based <laughs> on what I've written. I've actually written down three, four, five, six, seven, seven different, completely different topics on nutrition. So love it. Uh, this is something I'm very excited to talk to people about because nutrition, you can view it from so many different angles. Um, I think the biggest thing I'm going to start with, I'm just going to keep it short is ask yourself, like you said, why are you eating? And to know specifically what your goal is, because weight loss is a different goal than gut health or mental clarity. Um, so knowing which one is more important to you can help you make specific food choices. Kelsey, where do you want to start with this? This is a big, big bowl to take down. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean... We can start from the very, very basics. I'm reading a great book right now called Eat Smarter, which is like, I highly recommend it to everybody who nerds out on nutrition, but um, we can start with the basics of just what are calories, what are macros, um, where did they come from? I mentioned that book, uh, Eat Smarter, because the author, Sean Stevenson, actually goes into the history of how calories started and where we even got macros from. Because if you look all the way back uh, in history, calories didn't even come onto the scene until the mid to late 1800s. So calories weren't even a concept until that time and so and, and it makes you think okay well why did we even start counting calories are they even important and all that kind of stuff 
Um, but really, I mean, there was a huge movement in the late 1800s for uh, calories and then later into macros, kind of helping with just weight loss in general. And it became just a huge marketing movement. Um, and it was originally a way for scientists to just measure food in, in um the laboratory. So it didn't really have anything to do with the general population. It was just uh, science-based. And then it became mainstream, like most things happen. Like most most diets come from something that should have stayed in the laboratory and ended up spreading to everybody in the general population. But now we associate calories with energy and food and we associate macronutrients with the type of energy that is in food and the type of structures that are in food so basically you have you know three main macronutrients which are your proteins your carbs and your fats um, and those make up the bulk of your food it's not all of it but it makes up the bulk of it um, and then those three macronutrients have now a calorie equivalent so uh, your proteins and your carbohydrates both equal four calories and then your fats equal nine calories and that is now the mainstream way of how most manufacturers get a nutrient and or uh, energy equivalent from food onto labels so that you understand a little bit more about what's going into your body so that's the kind of the basics of calories and macronutrients there are obviously more things in foods nowadays um, that are not necessarily accounted for and what's also not accounted for is how it is processed in your body so like certain foods like whole foods that uh, Kelly was talking about earlier the way that we process whole foods in the body those have calories but then our body actually takes more calories to be able to process those foods versus a processed food has that has the same calories takes less energy to process so it's interesting how different types of foods um, actually have a different energy equivalent in your body um, but we don't have to go into that just so that you understand that like that's the basic way of, of how food has an energy equivalent nowadays or how we've kind of wrapped our heads around it. Um, but it definitely uh, matters. The types of food matters. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, go ahead, Camille, jump off of that one. Um, no, I think that that's perfect. Exactly gives people exactly the state of the state. This is what a macro is. And what I want to add to that is over my experience of training with clients, what I typically see people consuming in terms of we're looking at proteins, fats, and carbs, what I typically see happening at the start of our journey versus where I want it to move towards is a lot of times protein is too low. And I'm going to be vague about it because, again, we talked about this. It's all entirely specific on your body, your goals, and everything like that. So I'm just going to use relative terms for high and low um, but a lot of times people are eating uh, very few protein, so they need to see that increase um, for weight loss. Ugh. Okay, so I don't know how I want to break this up, I guess. How I like to explain proteins, fats, and carbs, I guess, is how your body, why you want to have a minimum amount and why you have a maximum amount. Do we want to go this in depth into it? Is that fine? Or Go for it. Okay. Yeah, go for it. So I like to explain protein as, okay, we want to have protein to make sure that we're A, preserving muscle, and B, giving the opportunity to add additional muscle. 
also our body uses more energy when digesting protein so that'll help us aid in our weight loss if we're expending more energy breaking down protein to some degree um so that and we want to have a minimum amount of protein kind of dispersed throughout the day to maximize your your leucine threshold i don't want to get too deep into it but basically (laughs) more protein is better okay for muscle preservation and fat loss okay moving on to carbs because i don't want to get too far um carbohydrates you can think about it like gasoline for your car so if you're not driving your car around if you're not a very active person you have a very sedentary lifestyle you might not need as many carbs as someone who is an athlete who is training strength training an hour a day with you know cardio here and there they may require more gasoline for their car so they're going to need to top off the gas tank more often but if you're not driving your car meaning you're not moving your body you maybe just walk to the mailbox every day you don't need to be constantly topping off your car with carbs and carbs and carbs and carbs and carbs. Carbs are an effective fuel source, but at the end of the day, your body doesn't require them to function. And I say that with as big of an asterisk as I can put on there. I think carbs are great and I think they're fuel, <laughs> but statistically not necessarily required. So people overeat their carbs a ton as well because carbs are in everything. Carbs taste delicious. So I get it. But if you're not driving the car, you don't require carbs. So that goes back to why are you eating? Okay, moving on to fats. We want to make sure we're having a minimum amount of fats to make sure that our hormones are fun- properly functioning. Our way our body uses fats has a lot to do with how our body produces hormones. Um, in addition to a lot of other things that fats are involved with in the body, your brain function and the myelin sheath of that. Um, so we want to make sure we have a minimum amount of fats. Um, and then we also want to make sure we're not going over on our fats to so the point that our calories are far over our total caloric goals for what we want to do with our body. So that's how I like to make sure we're getting enough protein. I don't really ever have to worry about too much. Making sure we're not having too many carbs. I usually don't have to add more carbs for people because people like them in all different forms. Even if it's fruit and veggies, they're still carbs. Um, and then fats, make sure people are getting enough. Cutting all your fats is not the right way to do things. That's not, it is a great way to save on calories because again, one gram of fat has nine grams of calories. So you cut, start cutting away at your fats, you'll start cutting away at your calories a lot faster, but we want to make sure that the hormone levels are functioning and your brain is functioning, or you will start to feel those negative effects um, of that. You can't just live on a protein only diet. You need those essential fatty acids. Um, So that's my three proteins, fats, and carbs. Sometimes it helps to think about how your body is going to use these macronutrients to decide how much of each of them you're going to need. All right, pass it back. (laughs) You know, what's interesting too is, um, and and I I would say if people, you can tinker with what that ratio looks like, right? Which is like, that's why you need someone, like Mm -hmm. someone like me, I needed someone like, you too, right? To try and help me navigate that because some people respond really, really well to a higher carb plan, right? right? And some people don't. Some people like a really high fat plan and their body responds well Mm -hmm. to that. And so you don't, um, if you start tinkering with that on your own, you kind of really don't know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So um, just something for people to be aware of, like you may think like, like everybody thinks carbs are bad. So I'm glad that you didn't Mm -hmm. say, I mean, I'm glad that you said what you said because carbs are not bad and they are a great source of fuel. Um, and, uh, but you, um, 
you may find that your body responds better to a diet that's higher in fat, mm-hmm. maybe than say carbs, right? Um, so again, just kind of a plug of if you um, need help with that, like reach out. Yeah, um, it's also highly individualized. And to be honest, yep. it changes over time and it changes based yep. on what yep. your goal is. So if you're trying to gain muscle yep. versus trying to lose weight, those ratios are going to look absolutely different. And if you're trying to lose weight versus if your number one goal is mental clarity and gut health, you want to feel better in your body, not and just look better. So I, I think that it's really important to know what you're looking for when it comes to your nutrition. Right. So as an example, like I started, I wanted to do CrossFit. So I started that earlier this mm-hmm. year. And so Kelsey knew that because A, I need to tell her what my goals are, right? Where mm-hmm. I want to go. So she beefed up my carbs mm-hmm. in my plant, knowing that that is so taxing on your body to do CrossFit that you need that energy, energy. right? And so then I had my knee problem and then, it, you know, tank the CrossFit ability and we were still in high carbs. And so Kelsey's been like, we're going to keep, so we've been dropping carbs, right? Which has yep. been a sad day for me, but necessary, mm-hmm. right? Because otherwise I'm in such an imbalance for what I wanted to do versus what I could actually do. So um, something yep. to keep aware of, uh, keep your trainer aware of if you're, if you're doing stuff like that. Um, real quickly, what do you think is more important if you are working with a trainer and they're like, hey, this is what your calories should be, and this is where your macro should be. Is it more important to hit your calorie number, or is it more important to hit your ma- to hit your macro targets? Well, if you hit your macro targets, you'll hit your calories. You so. should, yes, in theory, yes. So but yes. Close. yeah, yeah. It's it's always going to be macros because mm-hmm. the it the type of food you eat, like we keep saying, the types and amounts of food you eat matters like Camille was saying you have to have a certain amount of protein to be able to maintain and build muscle which you can get calories from just carbs and fats like I could eat 2,000 calories of just carbs and fats but let me tell you it would be very hurtful to my body in the long run so if we're hitting our macros and when we say hit macros this will be a good terminology when we say hit macros we don't mean you have to get to the gram every single day usually when I do macro counting with my clients I give them a range of like three to five on either end for their proteins carbs and fats so maybe I'm three under on my protein and five over on my carbs and I hit my my fats right on that's okay that's still considered a win for the day Um, but you need to be conscious of the types of foods that you're putting in your body which is why we count macronutrients versus just worry about calories yeah And also, I think um, just a little bit of a side note on that too, thinking about the type of food to hit those calories. I think we've kind of alluded to that, but, and maybe even in future or previous talks, but chicken nuggets from McDonald's are not the same protein quality as a chicken, you know, a grilled chicken breast, like a fresh grilled chicken breast, right? Camille, I think that like that triggered you. You're like, oh, I want to say something on this. Yeah, because it is. And I was someone who was very loud and proud about my ability to hit my macros and achieve my weight loss goals. I ate Fruity Pebbles every day and I was damn proud of it. (laughs) Like, but they are different. It 
20 yeah. grams of protein from a McDonald's chicken nugget is going to be handled differently in your body from 20 grams of protein from a chicken breast that you took down from your neighbor's chicken. Whatever, I'm I'm getting real up north. <laughs> I'm a youper now. Things have changed. But you get what yep. I mean. They, they feel different in your body. And so, yeah, I just keep coming back to, like, what is your specific goal? Because I do think that the quality of your life and ability to eat McDonald's chicken nuggets is a high value point. And, like, during my journey, like, that was extremely valuable to me to be able to eat food with my family and still hit my weight loss goal. It wasn't about flipping a switch and like now I can own, I can never drink soda again. I can never eat pasta. I can never eat pizza. I have done that method as well. That caused more mental scars than macros saying you can yep. eat chicken nuggets and you get to be an adult and decide if you how you feel the next day if you're going to eat chicken nuggets again. Because I found macros to be so self-teaching. I didn't want to eat chicken nuggets the second time because I felt like crap and it was my own governed decision because we're all children like in parts of our brain. So it's like someone tells you, don't eat this. You want to eat it more. But when you get to make that decision, you're more likely to adhere because it was your choice. So you're making the choice to eat a salad instead of a pizza because you know a salad makes you feel better emotionally and physically. And that was like a big corner that I round within the last two years of my life was seeing food from such a different lens, not from a taste lustful place of flavor enjoyment, but from how is this going to make my body feel? Is this going to make me like have to stay near a toilet all day long today? Or is this going to make me feel alert, like alive, awake, alert, enthusiastic? And when I started learning about foods and what specific, like, what benefits of garlic, for example, I started eating a significantly measurable more garlic in my diet. There's not a lot of caloric benefits or macro benefits to eating more garlic in your diet. Um, but there are other health benefits, antioxidants and whatever. And that goes for every fruit and vegetable under the sun. The more I started just getting curious and learning about the what different fruits and vegetables health benefits that they could have, I started choosing them more subconsciously or consciously. Um, so I think a lot of that too, like well, the first thing I wrote down today was restriction, the feeling of restriction. I think when we were here, we're talking about diets and nutrition. We're here for weight loss. Everyone thinks restriction. They think I can't have this. I can't have that. And I think that it will... If you go into it with that mindset, you will ultimately fail because it is a mindset shift that you have to have that I get to choose this food that I put into my body. I get to eat healthy food. It's not a torture. No one's holding a gun to your head saying you can't eat that cheeseburger. That's you have to be an adult. You have to make those choices for like for yourself, like be your own parent sometimes. And if you can't, that's when you just lean on someone else. You lean on your trainer. That's what I did. I hired a trainer so I could tell me what to do. I'm sick of taking personal responsibility for how my body looks. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. And like, I just passed over the keys. It's your turn to drive. But if you're the one take, if you're still driving the bus, you have to have personal ownership of what you eat and how that makes you feel and how that makes you look and how that makes you. So if you don't want to take ownership of that, then it's great to work with someone else. But at that point, fully hand over the keys. There's nothing more disheartening when working with a client who's doing an awesome job and they still don't feel like they're doing enough, even though they are, um, you have to fully 
give in to the process if you're gonna work with someone like it's a journey it's a balance that's why that connection is so important like we all went over last week but all right that's my soapbox (laughs) real um real quickly so you talk about personal ownership and which i love because that's okay because here's the thing do you think that mini muffins (laughs) are healthier than a banana no you don't actually think that i did this at the gym yesterday and i'm just gonna one more soapbox (laughs) You're lying to yourself. You, everyone knows when they're eating like an asshole. Everyone oh, totally. knows when they're eating like an asshole. Everyone knows it. Whether you can stop it or not, that's a whole different battle. But yeah. I truly, and like, I there's, you can be drinking orange juice at every meal and not be aware that that contains 30 carbs at every meal. That's not what I'm talking about. I, that's, that's ignorance. That's not knowing exactly what's in your food. But so those are two different things on how people negatively eat. One is they're consciously eating like an a-hole. The other one, they're accidentally not being aware of all that they're eating, which is something that I did want to talk about at some point today, measuring and tracking. Because it's all great if you understand macros, you get it, but you suck at tracking. You don't understand. You miss things. You miscalculate things. Um, You can get really misleading numbers if you're not tracking well, uh, which I think is something that people take for granted, knowing how to track everything they're supposed to in the different ways. But that's I mean, that could be a whole 40-minute podcast specifically just giving examples of what things you measure in what ways and how to get really specific with that. But that's, that's I'm done. I'm done. I won't heat it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's true. I mean, it's true. Like, you know, if you're eating chicken nuggets for McDonald's, you know that they are not as good as a grilled chicken breast, right? right? We all we all know it. Um, so that actually, you you touched on some things I wrote some questions down um why do you think like if you have those muffins right Mm -hmm. why do you think or when you talk to your clients what do you hear from them when they're like oh I started out the day with a muffin and it was all downhill from there so I just gave up and I just ate horrible the whole day like how do you counsel because food is so important what is it about, like, I made this one bad decision to start my day, so I'm going to let myself spiral for the rest of the day or the rest of the week because I made this one bad decision here, and I'm giving myself the hall pass to eat like a dick or a jerk, yep. whatever, right, for the rest of the day or the rest of the week or whatever. Like, talk uh, to me about that. Yeah, like, I'm going to let Kelsey answer that, that. I'm curious to see what Kelsey's response to that is. Mine is mindset-based response, but I'll, I'll just go on too many tangents, so I'm going to let Kelsey do it concisely. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I mean, your, your answer is probably pretty similar to mine. I think it has everything to do with how, however we got into it, and I'm guilty of it too, yeah. is putting food into categories of good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's when we put, it's, it's a very dangerous um road to walk down to categorize as good and bad because Mm -hmm. it's it's innate in all of us to um 
almost be rebellious when we do something naughty, quote mm-hmm. naughty. Um, I, so like we have our, our good and our bad food categories, right? And if you start with your day with a bad food, then you say, oh, well, I might as well enjoy the rest of the day of bad foods and I'll just get back on it tomorrow, right? Like it's, it's an all or nothing mentality um, versus if you were to take more of, of an approach of, okay, we have our less nutritious foods and our more nutritious foods, right? And like Camille was saying, there needs to be a balance with that, but you need to put nutritious food, more nutritious foods into your body because you understand that they make you feel better and they make you run better. Not because it's this um, thing of almost a moral or um, a moral thing of mm-hmm. like good and bad that has nothing to do with it. If you want to enjoy a less nutritious food, you just need to understand the potential consequences of that. And maybe that's acceptable to you for this point in time, but then also understand that if you continue to eat less nutritious foods. Um, you don't need to shame yourself. You just need to understand that you're not going to feel as good the next day. So it's, it's that, um, it's that balance between, um, one, not doing the all or nothing mentality, uh, and two, really recognizing how different foods feel in your body before you say, Oh, I'm just gonna give up this whole day and just eat all of this really quote, bad food all day. I think that's a terrible way to look at it. Um, you need to, you need to eat the certain foods because of the way that they make you feel versus putting them into categories. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that's probably similar to what you were going to say. And I would like to, you know, eat a little bit of my, my passionate words because I've gone through a lot of different parts at this journey. And I am the first person to say that Honestly, extremes are easy. Following in a, a specific restrictive meal plan was easy for me. Knowing when the mini muffins aligned with my goals was very hard to make that choice. It was very fatiguing, very exhausting to know when to be my own parent, to not just be so all or nothing. And that's why I leaned on science. That's why I tracked my macros because I could tell you if I was hitting, if that aligned with my goals or not. Like, And then you can make an educated choice. It's not an emotional choice. Does it feel like these mini muffins are worth it right now? I don't know. Just look at the numbers. Does it work with your schedule today or not? Like your allotment that you allowed yourself for whatever you did the rest of the day or not. And then you get to, that's why I love tracking macros is because it gives you information to be able to make an educated decision so that you don't have to be dependent on, does it fit in my numbers box forever? That can help you learn what one full box of eating feels like. And then you can swap out and try different things. Like you can play within the rules, play within the box to eventually at one point make an educated choice. Um, Because I think you do at some point have to try starting your day with mini muffins and see how it feels. And then you notice you fell off the deep end and hopefully make the next day a little bit better. Um, but yeah, if you started off on the wrong foot, trust science to finish out the day. I mean, there's no, I'm a firm believer. You can have one meal a day that is anything that you want. And it's just the rest of the day's food might suck a little bit, depending on how crazy you made that one meal um, with it. And here's the last, here's the last thing that I'm going to add to that. Um, with the good and the bad foods, I think the other dichotomy that we get stuck on is that the bad foods taste good and the good foods don't. 
And that's just not the truth. You eating healthy does not have to mean that there's no flavor or no good taste in your life, right? Food was designed like food is grown and made to taste good because it is drawing us as a species in to eat it so that we make sure that we get the fuel and the structure in our bodies that we need. So the reason why maybe healthy foods don't taste as good to you right now is because of all the processed sugar and crap Mm. in the bad foods that has completely changed our taste buds. But if we were to take the majority of our day and eat those healthy foods and kind of reset all of your taste buds and your love of whole foods, I think you're probably going to find, and all of us have found that those naughty foods or less nutritious foods or whatever you call them Mm -hmm. right now are actually like really potent and they're hard to eat a lot of because they are filled with so much other stuff that is foreign to our bodies. And so again, it's not that you have to say no to each of the, or to either of them, but you have to reset your palate and understand that eating food is going to be enjoyable in a healthy respect, just as much as it could be enjoyable in the less nutritious foods. Real quickly, um, I think you hit on something that our bodies are drawn to food. And an analogy I think of there is pregnant women. Like, um, you have cravings as a pregnant when, like when I, I had certain cravings when I was pregnant, right? And it is your body, your body is amazing and it knows what it needs. And usually when you have these cravings, there's something, I mean, granted, yes, there's ice cream and stuff like that, that women crave when they're pregnant, but there's a lot of stuff that, um, like cheese, like some women crave cheese or some, you know, I've, I, um, worked with someone who was lactose intolerant, not pregnant. And when she was pregnant, her body was like, give me all the dairy, right? Mm. And so your body is designed to know what it's supposed to do. We just have to override the, the you know, central brain command of saying, okay, we, we need to give it what it's going to be nutritious and not necessarily what we want. Um, and you also um, touched on shame. You said the word shame. I, th- I think you said that, Camille. And I think we associate eating and food a lot with shame. Mm-hmm. And yep. so one of the things, too, that one uh, that I loved working with both of you is um, just as an awareness, like, I felt like I could come to you and I could say, I ate like crap, or I did this, that, or the other. And both of you were like, yeah, I've been there. I've done that. I've done that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so it is critical. I think if you ever do look for a trainer that you have to find someone that understands that, but can also correct you be like, okay, just forgive yourself, pick yourself up and move on. Right. Um, and I think there's a stigma around trainers that you all, again, you all haven't figured out and that you're perfect and you're, you know, your nutrition and your lifting and all that. And it's simply, it's not true. You are human. You struggle the same way. Um, so I think that's important to figure, to point out, um, that you need to find it. If you are going to get a trainer that you can find someone who can help you through that journey. Um, the next thing I wanted to kind of shifting gears a little bit, wanted to pick your brain on, you know, we've talked about macros and kind of tracking. I want to dig into that a little bit when people start tracking, what does that mean? And how disciplined does someone need to be? Um, I think Camille, you always talk about licks 
bites. <laughs> the BLTs. Bites, lifts, and tastes turn into calories. Yes, exactly. And so, um, like, I, like, what is the difference between guesstimating, which, by the way, Camille is amazing at like I was I was telling Kelsey <laughs> like when I would when I would travel for work I literally took food scale with me mm-hmm. right that's how dialed it that's how important tracking was to me um but I would take a picture of something and I put like a quarter or something mm-hmm. by the food so Camille had like a perspective and I just sent her a picture and I would be like how much do you how much you know what do you think this is you know and she was so spot on about like how many, you know, I think this is probably like this many ounces, this much calories, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's where you do get to, right? Mm-hmm. When you have been doing yeah. this for a really long that time. That was after two years that of yeah. consistent, yeah. literally when I say yes. not a gram of rice went in my mouth without it being tracked, I am dead serious for a year and a yes. half. That was yeah. that on the nuts with everything that I ate. Right. Uh, it, so yeah, so, and that. I love it. Like, and I love is, it. And I think it's a game. And I think that's how you should think about it. It's macro Tetris at the end of the night. It's finding what foods can you take in your house to hit your macronutrients in the most palatable way. I've always thought of it as an exciting thing to try to figure out. It was never something painful for that specifically. Um, yeah. And eyeballing foods, eventually you get to a point where you know exactly what 200 grams of rice looks like in a specific bowl and then you can figure out what 200 grams of rice looks like on a plate. And then at, when you're at a restaurant, you can easily eyeball things so that you can like, you don't have to be that person whipping out your food scale at the restaurant. Although no shame in that, no shame in that. None. Right. You don't let someone else's opinions about what's going on in your body and your food affect your day. So yeah, I, I think tracking macros, I mean, it depends on, Okay, so there's a study that says they took a bunch of women in between 35 and 55 and said, do you think, they said, they all agreed, I'm eating 1,200 calories and I'm not losing weight. And they put them all in a controlled place and had them, okay, show me that you're eating your 1,200 calories. And they all ate 2,000 freaking calories and they all thought they were eating 1,200 calories. There was nothing wrong with any of their metabolisms. And I might be exaggerating on some of these details, but the point of the story is you might not know that you're not tracking everything. (laughs) Like orange juice, for example. I didn't think that clear things had calories. And I'm glad that I thought this because I'm so far down the macro hole. This humbles me. (laughs) That I was drinking vitamin water every day at the rec hall at my lunch in the dorms and I wasn't really losing weight. I was dieting for a bodybuilding show and I was like kind of trying to figure out like, what's the deal here? Why am I stalling? Well, I was drinking an extra 30 carbs three times a day. That's 120 carbs. That's a ton of calories. If I cut that every single day, I lost weight or whatever, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, so, and I think actually I was thinking about this yesterday, um, how much to track, right? Do you need to track your black coffee? My answer is yes, though it does not have a caloric significance, it has micronutrient significance. And that's become more important to me than just hitting my proteins, fats, and carbs. I'm now caring about my potassium. I care about my sodium. I care about my ratios of, right, exactly. So all my micronutrients, I care about those now. So I want to track everything that I put in my body, even if it's not calorically significant, I still want to see what 
my, my black coffee has potassium and I want that tracked towards my daily totals. Um, so I would recommend tracking anything and everything. You have a ketchup packet that you put on your thing, type in a ketchup packet. Um, but I, you know, not everyone has to be track everything that that goes into their mouth in a food scale to the gram way like I did. I'm a control freak. So I like to have control over that number and I like to have it consistently. Like I found out Kelsey was measuring things with measuring cups and I was like, you have more of a conscience than I do because I will take that spoonful of peanut butter and then it will be the biggest mound of peanut butter you've ever seen in your life. I can't be trusted. So I was like, well, I have to measure it with like grams because I will abuse that rule if I'm using measuring cups. So I use grams for everything just so I'm not lying to myself. It's more of like a fear-based yeah. thing. Yeah. So, so Kelsey, for, talk about that too. Talk about that. If, tell, Kelsey, if you could touch on that too. Measuring cups versus grams. Like what does that mean to people when, when, when yep. Camille says that? Yep. So first off, just to start off, for anybody who's starting to track, um, I recommend that they are a very strict tracker with their food. Just like Camille said, everything that goes into your mouth, you need to track. And the reason for it is awareness. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like it's, it's based off of restriction. Like I don't want you to feel like it's a restriction thing. It's an awareness thing so that in the future, when you get really good at tracking and seeing portion sizes, then eventually I want you to get to a point where you don't have to track everything because you're so aware of everything that goes into your body. Like I can do it in my head. I can do the math in my head now without even putting it into an app because I've done it so much. So that's the point that I want everybody to get to any, anybody who's working towards a very specific goal. And you have to remember too, when Camille and I talk about tracking and the obsession that we had with it, we were also bodybuilders and that's a whole nother animal. My general population clients, I don't expect you to track like a bodybuilder because your goal isn't to get to 7% body fat. Your goal is to get to a healthy body range, but we need to start with being a little bit more strict about our tracking at first, just so that you become aware of everything, everything around you, the beverages that go into it, the condiments that go into it, your supplements that go into it. Those all have caloric value of some kind. And it's important to recognize that. So I just wanted to tip that off that it doesn't need to become an obsession for the rest of your life. It just needs to become an awareness that you're um, familiar with, with all the different types of things that you put into your mouth. Now, that being said, there are several different ways to track. So um, whenever somebody comes and starts to work with me, I generally recommend that their tracking purely begins with just writing stuff down. Mm -hmm. So literally write down every single thing that goes into your mouth. It doesn't necessarily have to be an exact measurement. um, And it doesn't need to be a certain time of the day, whatever it is. I just want you to see on a piece of paper, everything that goes into your mouth. And that just helps with the awareness piece. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't really eat a whole lot in a day. But then they they write it all down. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like I actually do or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're like, nah, I'm, I'm not eating or I'm eating quite a bit, but then you actually write it out and you're like, that's hardly anything, honey. Like you need to up those calories. Right. So we start with just writing it down and then hopefully shift into a little bit more specifics where like 
we're maybe putting food into a tracking app and that's where you need to start actually measuring your food so um, whether it's getting a small food scale which is recommended for accuracy because grams like Camille said are universal so you can measure every single food in grams and we're not talking about proteins carbs and fat grams this is actual weight grams right so you can measure every single food based off of grams but I'm also okay with people measuring with measuring cups or ounces mm -hmm. instead as long as they are very consistent so mm -hmm. I measure all my meats still in ounces I just do but as long as I still keep all of that consistent we can still keep that variable um, the same so that we can see progress with your goals or like if you want to do um, you know you cook your rice and you want to scoop out a cup of rice and just wipe mm -hmm. off the top like it might be a little bit of a different weight than if you were to put it on a scale and measure it in grams but if that's how you're measuring each time and you're doing a pretty good job of being consistent with it and your goal is just a general uh, weight loss or fat loss or a general muscle building I'm totally okay with that um, but just be aware again that it's much easier to cheat yourself that way um, but like Camille said you will know if you're cheating yourself <laughs> because like you know that if you scoop that tablespoon <laughs> out of the peanut butter jar and it's mounded twice <laughs> as high as the tablespoon that's probably double the calories that she needed mm -hmm. so just be aware of that um, but I'm, I'm fine with either way of tracking as long as we're starting to develop an awareness of what's actually in our foods and what portion sizes look like. Exactly. And I would like to add to, I have two clients right now. One that I, she's writing things down on pen and paper, like about a cup of cheesy mashed potatoes at dinner or whatever, like a super general, a ham sandwich. I have no idea what type of ham. I have no idea how much ham. Oh, it's making me crazy and like parts of my brain, but she's doing amazing because there's an awareness created. She's been aware of a lot of things. We've been working at habits slowly over time. So we first changed out her breakfast and we're eating a healthy breakfast and we're getting rid of ca liquid calories. And she has the same amount of weight loss as my client who went right into macros. She's been nailing it on the head every single day. She's tracked everything that went into her mouth and they're both have a plus results. And they're just both going about it in such a different way. One is completely heavily tracked to the gram. And the other one is like an eyeball. I'm like giving out advice. Like maybe if you're going out to eat at McDonald's, maybe only get the bun or the fries. And it's like, who am I? But I'm approaching life from a very, like each client's looking for something different. And yeah, at the end of the day, if you eat a quarter pounder with cheese and fries and a drink every single day, and that's your routine. And all of a sudden you start to get rid of the fries. I believe you're going to generate weight loss. And over time, we're going to swap out better quality foods. But I also, there's a, a lifestyle shock that can happen if you rip yourself from where you're currently at into the next place. Um, and I think how intense you want to go into it is 100% just personal dependent. What is your home scenario like? My client right now, she's living with her parents and she'll, she doesn't have as much control over her food uh, whereas the other one is the the mother of the house and she is the one who cooks and clean and cooks and grocery shops. So she has complete control over her nutrition. So we're tacking the issue from two very different angles. Um, not everyone has to go balls to the wall right away. Um, it's it, it depends on how fast you want to go, right? And that's a decision to be made with you and your trainer and adjust those expectations to match whatever pace you set up yep. for.
I think that's critical to know what your goals are when you go into it and kind of what your um, threshold is because um, what's interesting too, like you said something simple, like swap out a bun, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'd, I have, I don't eat hamburgers with buns anymore. Like I'll still eat a hamburger, but I, I, I don't even remember the last time I had a bun right? Um, And that is not that hard to give that up, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to start like diving in like deep, right? And I think that was a great illustration, Camille, of showing two different clients, both successful, different paths, which shows, which tells everybody like, it's, that's why you keep saying it too. It's individual to the person, right? Um, What, I I have this question myself when I'm weighing meat. Does it matter? Do we weigh meat raw or cooked? Cooked. Like cooked? Cooked. Cooked. Okay. Here's here's the reason for it. And I don't know if this Mm -hmm. is the same reason that Camille's going to say, but different types of cooking and different um, lengths of cooking are going to determine the end product. So you could drive yourself insane attempting to measure out raw food and then it comes out completely differently after it's cooked and you get all frustrated. So let's just take that frustration away and measure it after it's cooked. Now, I will say that most nutrition labels actually account for it being raw, but like we said, consistency-wise, if you're trying to stay consistent through this whole process, it's much better to measure it cooked. And I did that um, during my contest prep. I was air frying all my potatoes, being like, yeah, I'm trying to get the biggest plate of potatoes as I can. But towards the end, when it was like, okay, like we're getting down to the wire. Okay, I started boiling my potatoes, knowing they were going to carry more water and more hydration, making them heavier. So I was going to be eating less carbs. But I was consistent through air frying the entire time. Whereas if someone would probably do the opposite, I've been having boiled potatoes my whole time. And as I get closer, I'm going to switch to air fried so I can feel like I'm getting more. You might be actually eating more carbs that way. So it, it, it's consistent. Be consistent with how you measure your food. Um, and weight, weight loss, water weight loss from meat is, I believe, why, they, why we want to cook it afterwards as well. Um, you'll lose a lot of yep. water in the cooking process. So it changes. But there are certain yep. foods you want to wear raw. That's an interesting point too, Camille. Like I just didn't even think about it until you just said it. The way we prepare foods has a little bit of an alteration, right? Yeah. Into how it, like, I guess would, would be the macros that show up or what is that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like thinking of like grilled chicken versus baked chicken versus boiled chicken, yeah. right? Like there's, you know what I mean? Like it shows up a little bit differently um, depending on how you prepare it, right? Yeah, and you can so sometimes- you can pick a specific food that will ask like a baked potato versus a whatever, like you can get specific in like my fitness pal with what type of how it was cooked sometimes, which can be nice. Yeah. Yeah. No. And in general, cooking food in general creates more calorie availability of the food. So like you, if you're eating um, a bunch of raw spinach, right, your body is um, going to take more time to process all of that. There's going to be more fiber in it, all that kind of stuff. So the calorie availability uh, that your body actually absorbs is less than if you were to cook your spinach. 
So like if you are in a fat loss journey, it would be advantageous for you to eat more like raw vegetables or more salads or um, that kind of stuff versus cooking everything at, especially at high temperatures, um, because that actually changes the structure of the molecules and your body actually soaks in more of the calories than if you were to allow your body to process the whole food the way it came out of the ground. So just a little side bit on that. But but obviously there are some things that you have to cook. Like don't eat raw chicken. Oh my gosh. Don't eat raw chicken. No. no. Um, so maybe I'll shift gears a little bit um, on both of you. Because um, I suspect you have people coming to you saying, hey, I heard d- diets. I'm, I'm going to kind of focus in on some diets as, rela- as it relates to food. Because um, I think people see a lot of keto or carb cycling, right? Um, different, like, what do you say when people come and they say, hey, I saw this keto thing. Right? Those are lily like, pads. It's supposed to be amazing, if right? Or all- Adkins. <laughs> yep. Right? If a client comes to me and is really excited about one of those diets, I say, great, that's another lily pad. But let's take a look and make sure we're hitting our first three lily pads before we get all excited about that. Because at the end of the day, I don't even want to hear you talk about keto or whatever if you're not tracking your weight every day, if you're not tracking what's going into your body with food, and you're not tracking your nutrition. If those three things aren't happening, I don't want to teach you about keto. I want to teach you about tracking. <laughs> like I, it, Those are lily pads, and yeah. those are exciting things to talk about, and they're all tools, and they all could be their own podcast, 100%. But let's make sure our priorities are getting hit first before we start looking at other things. Like I was just talking, or I had a note written here too. Like I wanted to talk about nutrient timing, but at the end of the day, if you're not hitting your macros, you don't need to worry about nutrient timing. You don't need to worry about when you're getting those food in. If you're not getting the food in, like there's lily pads, like that's that's a different lily pad. Um, But Kelsey, you might have a different response. Mine's emotional. No, I'm, I, I usually say like, uh, I, I kind of come at it at the same route where I'm like, um, with any types of those specialty diets, I always make sure that they understand that there is no magic, no matter what you come to me with, if you are not consistent about anything, it doesn't matter. Um, and specifically with keto, I love talking about keto because Um, most people don't understand where it came from and the purpose for it. And so they just think it's this magic diet that's going to help them lose 10 pounds in the first month. But this might not even be right for their body. And so um, for keto specifically, keto was actually designed by somebody or by a um, scientist, doctor, nutritionist for people with Alzheimer's. So most people don't even know that. And they're like, oh, really? Like, that was why it came out to be because people with Alzheimer's usually have very, very high um, insulin uh, resistance. And they also, the the actual like myelin sheath in their Mm -hmm. brain, like it, it doesn't work properly. So like you can't get signals through the brain properly. And so this, um, this doctor created this diet to have a very, very low carb to help reset insulin levels and a very, very high amount of fat to basically restructure the brain and help the brain to function better. We were talking about fats for brain earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Your brain absolutely needs 
omega threes all the time to be able to function properly. So it was designed for that. It was not designed to help you lose weight faster at all. And but our mainstream media took that and said, Oh, my God, a new special diet that's going to help you lose weight. Well, really, those first 10 pounds that you take off in that first month is a lot of water weight. Sorry, there's not a whole lot of fat loss going on necessarily in the first, but it's exciting to people and they think it's going to be this magic thing for them. Um, but the reality is, is one, most people can't live a lifestyle like that. This has to be something that you go all into for a lifestyle and you commit 100% to, and you can be able to maintain that type of diet for a significant period of time to be able to actually see the results from. So there's so much behind all of these diets that I really want people to know about and be educated on before we even look at doing it. And like Camille said too, I use keto usually for a tool for people. I don't use it as a go-to diet that I say, all right, we're going to do keto with you because you're excited about it. Um, because their reasoning behind it is misled or misguided to as to why they want to do that diet. And ultimately, I want to find what fits into your lifestyle, but I'm all also not going to lead you down a road that I feel you're not going to be successful with. So that's kind of where I approach diets like that. You guys, I get super geeked up when we all listen to podcasts and we read books and like whatever, right? And so when when information from multiple sources intersect, it like totally excites me and that just happened because you talked about keto and how it was developed i just read the sugar smart diet and sugar is um in the that goes to the brain it's talking about being it being um sugar specifically type 3 diabetes and how it's creating that um because and and help contributing to alzheimer's um, because it's so much sugar going into the brain. We already know that the brain um, consumes 20% of the, the calories that you take in. So if you have more sugar in the brain, it makes sense why keto was developed to drop those the sugars, basically, which are carbs, because in a yeah. keto diet, you are dropping your carbs dramatically, increasing the fat, right? You're changing that ratio. Um, so I just had this like, whoa moment when you were talking about that, where like this sugar stuff intersected with what you just said. So it's good stuff. I got excited about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. So where do we want to go from here? I feel like we're at 57. Let's cut this one and then we'll go from there. All right. I think that, yeah, that's, I'm going to end it with that. Thanks for listening.